welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today's October 27th, 2021. I'm Rick Morton coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and this is the Defender Podcast. Well, folks, today I'm here by myself. Herbie is out. I'm soloing on the podcast by myself today, and I feel a little bit like a teenager uh, who mom and dad just handed the keys to me. So hopefully we won't wreck this thing today. We won't drive it in the ditch, and we'll return it back uh, in the same shape that we found it. Maybe we'll even put a tank of gas in it. How about that? Um, but seriously, folks, we're uh, really excited today for the guests that we have, uh, Shane and Stacy Huff, who are Lifeline parents. They've adopted from China several times and they're going to be telling their story um they the huffs have been on the defender podcast in the past we've told pieces and parts of their story but uh in honor of and and in remembrance of lifeline's 40th anniversary we wanted to to bring them back on and and feel like they're a great example of the things that we we love to see the lord do um in the in the lives of families ultimately who are making disciples in their own home and so uh, we'll get to that interview really quickly uh, with Shane and Stacy but first before we get there uh, I want to talk to you about Image Bearers. Uh, Image Bearers is a book that we put together um, a couple of years ago but uh, is is extremely relevant for right now. Image Bearers, uh, the subtitle is Shifting from Pro-Birth to Pro-Life uh, Image Bearers dives into what, what it means to be pro-life, not just pro-birth, and addresses topics on race, poverty, international orphan care, the family unit, and more. The book includes prayer guides, tips to care for the fatherless in your community and around the world, and thought-provoking questions at the end of each chapter in the discussion guide. You can purchase your copy of in- Image Bearers by going to lifelinechild.org backslash image dash bearers or you can see the show notes for more details Um, so we're really thankful today that uh, that we have this opportunity to talk to Shane and Stacy Huff about uh, their family and about how God has built their family through adoption and and some of the lessons that they've learned along the way all right welcome again to the defender podcast Uh, I have the Wonderful, incredible privilege today to uh, to sit down with uh, two friends, uh, friends of mine, friends of Lifeline, um, Shane and Stacy Huff, uh, who are adoptive parents through uh, international adoption and have just an incredible story of what the what the Lord has done in their life and in their family, and uh, just so incredibly thankful for your friendship. Thanks for joining us today, and welcome to the Defender. Welcome back to. The Defender Podcast. You guys are your frequent flyers here, right? <laughs> Thank you for Thank having you. us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'd really love to just jump in and and let's kind of dig into uh, your heart and your story a little bit. And so, why don't you guys just um, tell our listeners a little bit about how how did you know that your family was being called to international adoption? Well, um, I'll take that and just be honest and say um, I knew that we were called to international adoption because Stacy told me we were. Um, <laughs> I'm half joking about that. Um, we actually started talking about um, specifically international adoption several years before we started the process with Sarah. 
um, you know, Stacy had felt led for years um, to international adoption and specifically to China. Uh, so we had that conversation. We were on the same page, you know, pretty quickly. And in fact, we kind of moved forward with a kind of an exploratory meeting with a, a local agency here um, in Mississippi. And um, at that point, we ran into just some health, health things with our biological kids that at the time seemed earth shattering. Um, now, years later, they don't seem that, that, <laughs> that bad. But we, we didn't press the pause button um, on our adoption plans. And that was all part of God's plan. I mean, looking back, you know, had, had we not done that at that point, we would not have ended up adopting the children that we have. So um, that calling never went away, though. And so um, a few years later, um, specifically in 2012, we came back to that. At that point, mm-hmm. Stacy was doing some research and, and came across Lifeline. And, um, and, and so we, at that point, you know, again, several years after we started talking about it, we pulled the trigger and, and decided to jump in. That's awesome. And so kind of to fast forward the story a little bit, the, the Lord has blessed you with, um, with three precious girls, all who came home through adoption, uh, Emily and Sarah, who came home through international adoption. Um, and then also uh, Sydney, who, who had um, an experience with the dissolution in, in, uh, so you guys have just seen a lot, right. In international adoption, you've seen it change over time and, and, and all of that. But, um, Maybe the, maybe the thing to do first is just tell us a little bit about your girls and a little bit about your family and, and kind of how God brought the Huffs to be who you are today. Oh, okay. We did not adopt our girls in, in birth order. Uh, <laughs> like they, they sometimes say you should, but uh, uh, Sarah was the first, uh, the first that we adopted. So we started that process in 2012, and we adopted Sarah in November of 2013. And she was five at the time. Um, she's almost 13 now. So um, Sarah has um, cerebral palsy. She has an intellectual disability. Um, she's nonverbal. Um, she's in the sixth grade. Uh, she's homeschooled. Um, and um, she just, you know, uh, I guess with, with anything, uh, with, with adoption, it, it's challenging. I mean, and, and parenting her can be a big challenge, but she has just brought so much joy um, into our family. Um, and, and she can make my day, you know, just with, with, with a hug and a smile. Um, she loves one of her favorite, favorite places is uh, our church. She loves going to church. Um, so it, it's just been, um, uh, she was our first. Um, oh, I would just I always say she was our game changer. She was, she was, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that when we started this process, I think we had a, probably a naive, um, you know, we're going to adopt this kind of a child that fits these parameters. And when the Lord led us to her, she was way outside all of those parameters. Mm. Um, and the Lord has used her to show us that that is good. (laughs) And, and, and she was our game changer, um, for sure which led us to Emily. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think probably uh, our experience with Sarah is, is what showed us, well, well, maybe we could, you know, adopt Emily um, because that is definitely way outside of the range of what we thought, you know, we were getting into when we, when we got in. So uh, we, we were not home too long with Sarah before we started the process with Emily. We, mm-hmm. she was on our radar, even while we were in China, 
with um, uh, Sarah's adoption. Um, the, the two of them were not far apart geographically, mm-hmm. only about an hour or so. Um, so we started the process. Again, we adopted Sarah at the end of 13. I think by February, we had started the process with Emily. Um, she was 13 years old. And at the time, 14 was the cutoff. So it wasn't one of those stories where we were sneaking into the wire. We had time, <laughs> but but we did start, you know, with kind of a sense of urgency. Um, uh, and, and in January 2015, we, we uh, adopted Emily. Um, she was 13 at the time. Now she's 20. Uh, she's a senior in high school, um, has plans to go to college. Um, Emily has a physical disability, uh, spinal muscular atrophy um, that causes her to rely on a power wheelchair uh, for mobility. Um, she does not have a, um, an intellectual disability. Um, she's very bright. She had in China, she had virtually no education. I mean, they told us kind of basically the equivalent of a kindergarten education. So she got here, of course, had to learn the English language. Um, I guess she came home in January and then in September, August, August, she started in public school in the sixth grade. And so she has caught up. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's, there's still gaps, you know, and there there are challenges for her, but she has caught up and has done a phenomenal job. So she was in public school here through the 10th grade. And then when COVID hit um, and then the next school year started, Um, she decided that she would rather do um, online schooling at home rather than the, (laughs) you know, whatever public school would look like that year. And so we got in with Veritas Press and she's done very well and decided to go ahead and finish high school that way. Um, So she's done um, a great job. It's really been amazing to me to, to see her um, learn English and, and, and do what she's been able to do, um, in school. She's, um, Emily became a Christian, um, within a couple of years of, mm. of coming home. She's very active in our youth group and, and all of that. So, um, uh, it's, it's been again, challenging, but, but great. That's awesome. And our, our, our third adoption was different. Um, so we had done two from China and kind of knew what that process looked like. Um, Sydney was originally adopted from Bulgaria, and and we adopted Sydney out of a dissolution, actually. So it was a domestic adoption for us. Sydney has Down syndrome, um, like Sarah. She she is nonverbal, um, but she is um, she's in the fifth grade. Um, she is at one of our local public schools, and she does really well there. Um, she's twelve years old, and. Um, uh, she, all of our adoptions have been, you know, have, have been challenged. I don't want to, you know, paint this rosy, wonderful, you know, picture, but they've all been without, been challenging, but have been such a blessing and, and really have changed our family in a lot of ways, um, but changed it for the better. Well, one of the reasons I love, I love to hear you guys tell a little bit about your story is one, I identify with it. And I think, you know, the, the fact is there was a lot of comfort coming into the interview today, knowing that I was going to talk to another family that didn't really regard the birth order. And so while, <laughs> you know, like, like while, while, while our social workers counsel, right. To right. a lot of things there, there are just some things where, you know, God's leading you in a direction. Exactly. And just, you That's know, right. you just have to do that. And I think, I think we, you know, we understand that there are some inherent challenges with, you know, with decisions like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, 
the the Lord has just has worked through you and has worked through your family to uh, I think to to just be a, a great example of um, those challenges are not insurmountable, right? Like they're not. They're not. It, it, it's and 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 there's there's enough grace for today and there's enough grace for the you know for the yes. for the challenges of the moment and <laughs> and and negotiating a you know negotiating any of these sorts of things is um is is ultimately you know something that's doable i think you know it, it's 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 funny we we look back sometimes in our house and and denise and i look back at our adoption process and we look at how naive we were in the in the very beginning um thinking about how hard the process was right right <laughs> yeah and, and especially that first one right like oh, we, yeah we, we had this idea that we, I mean, we just had such a martyrdom complex over all the things we were having to do and the paperwork <laughs> and all the things. And, and really nobody lovingly on, you know, in our first adoption, put their arm around us and told us, you know, like the, the really, the, the work, part. yeah, the work <laughs> begins, the work begins when you close the door behind you and there's no one else there. Um, and it's just you. And, but, but honestly, I mean, what did you learn through the process of, of like getting to your children? What did God teach you um, about himself or about, you know, about, about you and your relationship with him or about your family? What are some things maybe that, that God drew out during the process of, of getting to your children? That's, that's been helpful. Um, I think for me during the process, and I can look back and think of things I could have done better during the process and things that I learned. Um, I like to have a sense of control <laughs> over things and there's very little that gives you less control um, right. than an international adoption. And you are inevitably going to get to a point where there's nothing for you to do. Mm. You can't fill out any more papers. You can't make any more phone calls. You're just really at the mercy of someone else. Um and I think for me, what I, what I really learned to rely on and come to have an understanding of was the sovereignty of God. Um, and, and even past the process in the parenting of our children too, but just that God's, and not in a flippant way of, oh, it's God's will, but just the mm. overarching, you know, sense of God's sovereignty on our lives individually, on our family, and on our children that were waiting for us. Mm -hmm. um, a deep sense of prayer <laughs> and of pleading with the Lord and, um, and, and seeing answers to those prayers in small ways, um, but really learning to lean on what I know about God and that He is good and that He loves me and our family and our children um, and to find peace and strength in his sovereignty. And that, you know, in our weakness and all of it, that that's where, you know, our strength is found, you know, his strength is found in our weakness and that, um, you know, he's enough to get us through the, that just out of control process that feels sometimes. And I can remember Carla would always tell us in the process that nothing touches our process that hasn't first been, you know, passed before the father, that, that nothing that, that is out of control as things can sometimes seem that, that nothing is outside of God's will. 
um, and that, um, you know, he is sovereign over all of it. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to be able to look back in the rearview mirror, some of these, through some of these things that we walk through and we continue to walk through to look back and see God's faithfulness and to see, you know, see his hand and, and be assured of his sovereignty. I remember very vividly um, in laying in the bed in a, in a hotel above an auto parts store in the far, we- far reaches of Western Ukraine, um, <laughs> having hit a bump in the process, right? Like having, like being in one of those moments where it felt very out of control and, um, you know, and, and we're like watching a 13 inch television that's on the other side of the room, all everything's in Russian. Um, <laughs> wow. You know, but, but just really trying to be distracted. And, and I remember, you know, just being there and I was just a bundle of nerves and, you know, like wanted to like, kind of like a caged tiger, honestly, like wanted to do something. And our, Denise, I remember Denise looking at me and laughing and she just said, this is killing you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, as a matter of fact, it it is. is. (laughs) And, you know, and, but, but her, like what she said, because, but if like, if we were at home, you'd be picking up the phone, you'd be calling somebody, you'd be trying to make something happen. You'd be, and I I think we all have those, you know, we have those moments along the way where you're kind of, you're kind of positioned, positioned to be helpless. Our our weakness is never more on display. And, And Stacey, you said that so beautifully and, and yet we see God move and we have a story. And, and I, th- I think one of the really great things has been able to is the ability then to invest those things into our kids and to tell them those parts of the story as well about, you know, that really bring a sense of certainty and a sense of God's sovereignty to even though our story started in brokenness to some level, right? right. Like there, God, you know, what, what has you know, what is difficult and what is hard, God redeems and, and God works in. And I, I just, I think it's, thanks for sharing that, because I think there's a sense in which um, as, you know, as folks step into this process, sometimes we, we think that, um, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very clear pathway and it's going to be very easy. But the truth is through some of the, you know, through some of the difficulty, God teaches us the most um, as we move along. And I think sometimes we have to to trust that we may not see the reasons why always for yeah. a delay or a break in process or for why things happen. And um, but that, you know, we see through, you know, a mirror darkly, like first Corinthians right. says, but God sees, you know, the whole picture. And I believe one day we get to see the whole picture. But um you know, I can remember in process with Emily, I felt like, well, and we were being sort of passed by by people who were behind us. And I was real obsessed with numbers, you know, and how many days and, and, you know, get, getting really, really caught up in that and, um, and bothered by having to wait twice as long, or, you know, you get mm-hmm. caught up in that. And I look back and wish I had not that I had, prayed more through that instead of worried so much through that. But I can see now that Emily needed that extra time. I really yeah. believe that she needed those extra weeks um, to be in a place where she was ready. Um, and so I didn't know that was happening at the time, but I can look back and, and we can talk about that with her, you know, mm-hmm. that sh- things that conversations she was having and, and things that she was feeling that she had to work through 
and what I was feeling at the same time. And, um, you know, I mean, I think the Lord just works those things out. Um, and we don't always know it up front. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of it we don't know today, right? Like, I right. Think and we may a, never know. But, but how, how gracious of God is it to, to give us kind of those little completed moments mm-hmm. and those little, those little points of, of understanding so that we right. can really kind of look at, as you say, as, as we know, we don't, we're not seeing the full story and we're not seeing the full picture and, and much of it, we won't know this side of eternity. Um, but, but God gives us that, you know, that ability just to, to trust. And so, trust. Um, you know, another part of, of your story is um, adopting, you know, adopting an older child and, and like your story with, with Emily, again, that's part of what, that's why, like, I, I y'all, I was so excited to talk to you today because <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm among my people, right? Um, but, but the, like that has its own challenges as well, right? Bringing a child in who's, you know, who's older. And, and so, you know, what are some things that, that maybe you walk through in, um, in bringing Emily home and, and like becoming a family with, you know, with a child who came home at a, you know, at a, an older age? Um, so I think the funny thing is that I told Shane when we first started the process with Sarah and I was just getting involved and knowing people and watching people's process and things like that, I would see people bringing home teenagers and I would think that's so good of them, <laughs> but teenagers scare me and I'm, you know, that's not my deal. Um, and then the Lord, um, you know, put it, showed us Emily's face and, um, on the Lifeline website, that was back when you could, you know, look through all the pictures and, um, and I knew the minute I saw her, um, and I, you know, it did not make one lick of sense. Um, she's the same age as our biological daughter, everything, you know, that's red flags, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of an unknown physical disability. We were just bringing home Sarah, but the Lord would not let that go. And, the, um, and we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that, that she was meant to be part of our family, but there are challenges with bringing home um, a teenager. And the two that specifically came to my mind, and I'm sure you can attest to these as well, but the first and foremost is of course, just attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that um, that goes both ways. I mean, her attachment to us and and our attachment to her. Um, And I don't, you know, I think that's one of those things people don't, like to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, in, in adoption. Um, but when you, when you bring home a child, that's almost 14 years old, they have, they have a whole personality and a whole history um, and, and lots of memories, both good and bad, but that are theirs that are important mm-hmm. to them um, and things that are meaningful to them and language and all the things on top of just being a teenager, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. being 14 years old. Um, and when you're, when you're parenting, you know, a 14 year old that has been with you for 14 years, you have 14 years worth of attachment and bonding and memories and good things to back you up on. And so do they towards you. So when you're working through, adoption related issues or just teenager related issues. There's not a lot to draw on there from either side. And I think what I really, really came to understand through all of our adoptions, but a tip, particularly, I think just an older child is that 
love and attachment has nothing to do with how you feel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but that it is a choice you make every day, um, when you get up and those feelings come later. I mean, you know, for us, Mm -hmm. they sure have. And I think on both sides, um, but the willingness to accept that they may not come towards you in the same way your feelings towards them come. Um, and you may have to wait till they're adults sometimes before you, you have, you know, they have those feelings towards you. Um, but that you make the choice every day to, to love them and take care of them and show them God's love and allow them to trust you and prove that you can be trusted. And, um, and that is a long process. And I think mm-hmm. it's just made more challenging when you don't have lots of history built up. Um, and I think another challenge with older children is, um, is mixed maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember reading a lot about that <laughs> <laughs> um, and not really knowing what that looks like. But it is an interesting aspect of life sometimes, I think with older kids that sometimes um, are very mature beyond their years um, that have seen things and understand things about the world that kids should not see or understand while at the same time, not having, you know, the emotional maturity of someone their age or not even just basic life knowledge about some things. Um, And I think that's frustrating for them. That's incredibly frustrating for them. Um, and so, um, Emily has said, and if she were here, I would say this, so I feel like I'm talking about it, but she would say, I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's frustrating to her, you know? Yeah. Um, but she does just maybe not the things that sometimes I wish that she did know, you know, mm-hmm. but just having to learn life at an older age is hard. Um, and having to teach life at an older age is, is hard sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, um, I mean, you, you hit on really, you know, important, significant stuff there. I, I think that, you know, there's a sense in which um, sometimes we want this to be a fairy tale. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes we want it to be, and, and it's just in a lot of ways, it's just not, and, and that's okay. Um, you know, it's, it, it takes hard work for you and for a teenager for you guys and to I get think to know each we other. Get it is hard work for them. You yeah. know, it is. And they're tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh-huh. and, and it's and it's just not obvious I think sometimes to, you know, we the 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 struggles that are that are going on underneath and we have like we have these expectations and so I I really appreciate the fact that you, you know, that you acknowledge the mixed maturity because because that's just real. That's that's a you know, that very much that's a, uh, you know, a thing that that we've experienced as well. And I, I think, um, but, but again, <laughs> like time and effort and prayer and, and, and like staying in there and staying in there sometimes when you don't feel like you want to stay in there is in, the, you know, in, in, in pushing hard um, toward, you know, showing up every day with your kids is probably, you know, and, and just the Lord providing that sense of, you know, persistence. Well, one of the things in, in China that you guys had the, had the, the opportunity to do is, is to adopt from a couple of different, you know, orphanages, a couple of different um, social welfare institutions. And, um, 
and the and 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 they're kind of different places as well. And so just talk a little bit about the maybe the the things that you kind of learned along the way, seeing maybe the difference in those children's homes and 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 then and we'll kind of we'll kind of meander through this conversation. But I'm I'm just curious to to see what what you learned. We did get an opportunity to see two two of them. Um, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that no parent here would ever want their, their child to be in that, that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, a quote unquote good orphanage is still not a good place for kids. Uh, it's just right. not, it's not ideal. Um, that said, you know, we did see two very different environments in, in their orphanages. The, four, the first one, of course, was Sarah's. Um, we had, um, we had some, some pictures of Sarah, you know, they, they, they send you pictures during the process and we had some that just, uh, you could tell that there was just some neglect. Um, you know, she was, uh, malnourished when we got there, it had, it wasn't that they weren't friendly, you know, you know, we came in, they, they fed us, you know, a little bit and, um, it, it just, uh, it had a dark kind of, um, almost oppressive feeling to it. You know, it, it was kind of like, um, we were so glad the way that the process in China works. She had been with us for several days you know, mm-hmm. at that point, and then we were going back. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. we were getting her from the orphanage that day, but um, we were so glad that she was with us and, mm-hmm. and not there um, any longer. You know, I, I'm probably glad that we didn't know the full extent of it at that mm-hmm. point, because it would have made the whole process of waiting so much more difficult. Um, but uh um, I, I don't want to chase too many rabbits there, but I know that that Lifeline actually started a foster home there with that orphanage yep. uh, in the years uh, uh, after that. And it, I think it from the stories that we heard, it was very eye opening for the staff there because kids that they had kind of given up on Lifeline took into their mm-hmm. foster home and they thrived right. and it was right. amazing. Um, but but Emily did have a different situation. Um you know, it, that her orphanage is known as one of the good orphanages. Um, mm-hmm. She did have people that, that were on staff there that appeared to genuinely care for her. Um, she had teachers that gave her the, you know, kind of the equivalent of that kindergarten mm-hmm. education that I mentioned before. But she um, she really connected with a music teacher you know, that came in from the outside and taught her music. And she actually still communicates with that music teacher today. That's awesome. um, so she did have people. Um, there that that cared for her um, because of because of her wheelchair she was kind of confined to one one floor um well, she didn't have a wheelchair for that's a right long for a time. long time she didn't have and one. so she and and I, I don't mean to um I think a lot of the positive things that happened for her in the last several years that she was there are a direct result of lifelines involvement there um, I do think that the, the staff for the most part, um, was caring and did their best, but some of the really good things that happened for her while she was there is a direct result of Lifeline's involvement there. Her being moved yeah. to a different floor, getting some education, getting a wheelchair, things like that. Well, and I think that, you know, the, the opportunity to, to have, a long-term partnership and to be able to gain that trust is, 
you know, is significant. And, and so we've, you know, we've seen that over time and, and really think that's, you know, the Lord's favor in allowing us to be able to, you know, have those, those long-term partnerships that allow us to be able to go in and train workers and to, you know, to help with the facilities and to, and to bring, you know, an outlandish idea like foster homes into, you know, and even to introduce that into the, you know, into the mix that, that happens over time when, you know, when we're able to, to faithfully walk out that relationship, but a big part of faithfully walking out that relationship are families like yours. And families that, you know, that come and, and that are trained well and prepared well and represent Christ well in those circumstances while, you know, while you're interacting with staff and caregivers and, and you know, people in country. Um, I think it's also really, you know, it's, it, it's, it's worth noting here as well that, um, like you all stayed involved, right? Like you stayed, you stayed connected to investing in those situations and in, in situations like them. I mean, I remember, I think Stacy, the first time, I think the first time you and I met maybe way back when was, <laughs> um, was, oh, I mean, you know, when we were both children yes. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but like, you know, like several years ago though, around, around mission kid and around, you know, yes. go, you know, getting into churches and, and, and providing VBS missions curriculum that mm-hmm. was really talking to kids about the needs of kids around the world and helping to expose them to, you know, to that understanding. And, and, yes. and so, you know, I love the way that, that, that has turned into advocacy for you and for investment in, you know, in your church family into a much wider community of people and, you know, I think we all, any of us that have, that have walked through that circumstance, it changes you, right? It, it, I mean, God does something to you when you, when you see that and, and there's, you know, we're grateful for the children that we're able to bring home, but, but we're also, you know, grieved and attentive to those that, that, you know, are still there. And so how do we, um, you know, you know, how do we, how do we continue to, you know, to be connected? And, and one of those ways is by advocacy and, you know, by giving and, and there's, there's something everyone can do um, to be involved in those situations. And so that's why, you know, that's why we organize the way we do at Lifeline. And, and, and that's, um, you guys are a beautiful example, I think, of, of being able to, you know, to continue that once, you know, even once you've come home. So, um, let's talk a little bit about, about coming home, right? Let's talk about the support system that you have that, that, you know, has been able to kind of be raised up around you and, um, just talk a little bit about the, the people and the friends and the family and, and the folks that have, that have really kind of wrapped around you as, as a family, um, you know, since your adoptions and, and, and like how, how have those how have those people and those those resources really been meaningful in helping you to to move forward as a family? First of all, we're just so thankful that we had the support of our family and our friends um, when we started the, the the adoption process because we've heard so many stories about people who don't have that and they start talking about adoption or or especially adoption internationally or special needs children and they're their, their families and friends don't react well at all and try to talk them out of it. And are you crazy and all that? And, I, and we never had that. They were supportive from, from day one. 
Um, in terms of, you know, uh, today and the support that we have from them, mm-hmm. uh, we are fortunate that we live in the same area as uh, my parents, as Stacy's mom, my brother and his family um, uh, are, are here in the area. Um, thankfully, they have teenage, uh, older teenage kids that, uh, that <laughs> good babies l- love our kids. <laughs> our, our family just um, loves, our, loves our kids, um, and they're willing to, you know, help when we need it. Um, you know, it, it is hard. It, it really is hard for us to be, you know, gone overnight or particularly mm-hmm. for multiple nights. That's a challenge. It still mm-hmm. is. Um, but, but all of those people I mentioned, you know, our nieces, um, uh, include will, um, come in and keep the girls when we, when we need them to, um, you know, all those kinds of things. They, uh, they just love our girls and they want to, they want to do, uh, whatever they can. Um, one of the things that we have really enjoyed, uh, here locally, um, the, the Johnny and friends organization, mm. um, has one of our local churches that we're not a member of has partnered with them and they do this parents night out thing and, mm. and, and, and parents of, of special needs kids can you bring your kids to their church. They have lots of fun activities for them. You get a date night, you know, you get a few hours to yourself, you know, it's fantastic. And then we went with also on their um, family camp that they do. Um, mm. uh, we went on that this summer. So, you know, I would encourage people to take advantage of those kinds of things too, that are, that are out there and are, um, you know, available. Um, you know, I, I guess we adopted Sarah in 2013 and we went to that camp for the first time this year. So, mm-hmm. um, it's not like we, we jumped into that, but, um, you know, it, it was something that was really beneficial to our family. So there are things like that, you know, that are, they're out there too. I would That's say too, is our, oh, I'm sorry, no, go as, ahead, our, go. as our biological children have gotten older, um, and have moved out of our house as they've grown that they're very supportive of their sisters as well and helpful That's true. That's true. um you know when they were home I didn't ever want them to feel like their only <laughs> role was right. to help with their siblings but but they have proven to be good support as well That's awesome you know I think I think the you know even hearing you say that it it on several levels. I think there are lessons to be learned. One, you know, is that really praying for and preparing family? And and I think one of the things we want to do as a ministry is to come alongside families to to try to help that process and to provide resources to, you know, to help family to understand, you know, maybe some of the challenges and, and understand a little more deeply their, you know, their their role in that. And and so um I think also there there is a um you know, the, you talk about this, like this parents night out thing and what, like, those are things that honestly, I, churches don't think are big deals, I think, but they have no idea how big a deal that is. That's right. You know, um, I mean, like I can, I can confess to, to both, um, dropping kids off at something like that and grocery shopping. Oh, for sure. <laughs> By yourself. You know, Right. What? Like, I mean, and look, that was a date, like to go and have go to Home like, Depot. Right. Like, but to have a conversation where oh, there was no, yeah. there was no third party involved and just to be, <laughs> just have time together. And, and I can, I can testify to running my Chick-fil-A and getting a Coke and just sitting in the parking sitting lot. In the car. <laughs> like looking, looking at the watch and going like, we, three more minutes, three more oh, minutes. Yeah. Can, like, <laughs> Nothing you know, wrong and, with that. 
Right. But, but I, but I think that, you know, what we saw in those kind of opportunities are, are ways that the body of Christ is able to be involved. Um, ways that people in, you know, in, in your church family, but in extended church families, I, Shane, I love the fact that, you know, that you pointed out the idea that like, that's not, that's not something that's your church, right? Like it's right. another church in town. Right. And, and I think there's such a, there's such a beauty in that in, in the body of Christ, everyone having a role to play, everyone having, you know, having an opportunity to serve and for us to be able to do these things across, you know, between churches and among churches in the community is, is just an incredible testimony to, you know, ultimately to the family that our Lord builds. And, and so, you know, I would, I would encourage and, and would, would say to folks that are out there listening, come, come check out the resources on our website, because there are, there are things there that are aimed at uh, the local church and aimed at, at folks who are never going to adopt and folks who are never going to foster to give you a role to, to be able to be involved in this work. I, I, you know, I've, have said many times, um, I don't understand. Sometimes I think we get James one twenty seven a little bit wrong because we're, we understand the first half really well that, that visit widows and orphans in their affliction part. Um, and, and we, but we tend to, we tend to think of that categorically, like they're only like there's specific people that are called out to do that work. Right. Right. I don't think it's an accident that James put that together in the same sentence with and and keep yourself unstained from the world because none of us none of us would would stay in a church that the pastor got up and said holiness is only for a part of the congregation right right, right. Only, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna set up a holiness committee or team or whatever <laughs> like it, it, it's for everybody and i think you know people look at a story like yours and they go man i could never imagine doing that like I could never imagine it. And, 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 and there was probably a time for you that that was probably there was true a as lot well. of time sure. when we said that, <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's not, there's not some standard that man, if you don't, if you don't do something like growing your family through older child adoption and through special needs adoption and all that, like you're, like you're not relevant in, in this ministry. The fact is that everybody's not called to that for those that are, we want to, you know, we want to enable and we want to come alongside and, and help that to happen. But, but for those that aren't, how can you take what God has given you and, and take the, the gifts and talents and, and abilities and, and, and leverage those to, to bring the kingdom of God to bear in the lives of families like yours and mine and in the lives of, you know, lots of people in our, our community that, you know, that need that, um, that need that help. So um, too that it, that it doesn't excuse our family either though. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, we've visited, you know, we've done the orphans and widows things to check. Like we still have a responsibility to come along other families as well and to, to minister and to help and to serve um, and to be watching for opportunities to continue to, to serve in that way um, and to support others because we know what they need. You know. Absolutely. It's been really fun. I think one of the things that we we've been really blessed by over the last several years is our kids are have, are getting older is is seeing them build relationships and investing kids who've had a similar journey to theirs. And so for them actually to, you know, kind of be able to be those uh, those friends and 
life examples and, you know, even disciplers in places with, with kids that they, you know, they really kind of share some commonality with. And, um, and I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think we thought much about that and, yeah. you know, <laughs> along the way, but it's, but it's pretty cool to see that, you know, see that begin to happen. Um, so, you know, as, as we wind up, um, international adoptions changed a whole lot, right? Um, things, things were not the same as they were back in, you know, 2011 or in 2013 or, or whatever. What, what advice would you give to a family today who's considering adoption, uh, an international adoption? What, like, what would you say to them today if you had an opportunity? Because you do. I know you do. People <laughs> want to talk to you and want to have these conversations all sure. the time. What, what do you say? Um, first I would say to, to pray, (laughs) um, and to spend a lot of time in prayer and ask God for clarity and wisdom. Um, and then secondly, I would say, and you can jump in, but, um, to seek godly counsel, um, in that, um, to seek out people who, um, who know (laughs) and not necessarily on Facebook, but, but, make phone calls, (laughs) Um, whether you want to or not, Um, and talk to people who know and understand where things are um, and and what in reality that looks like. Um, And then lastly, I would say, if God has called your family to that, um, there is great peace and obedience. (laughs) Um, And when God calls you to something and you are obedient in that, even if it is a tumultuous process or it's full of unknowns or there are these unimaginable weights that people are having right now, um, there's still peace in that being obedient and to doing what God has called you to do. So I would say, you know, move forward with what God has called you to do with strong, wise people around you who understand the process and seek godly counsel and stay rooted in, in prayer as you, as you move forward. And I would say too, don't let fear cause you to say no to God. I mean, if you feel that, that uh, leading from him, don't let fear of the unknown or fear of failure or fear of whatever keep you from doing that. I, I've looked back so many times on our own um, experience and our family and thought, what if we had said no? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a terrible thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. Knowing what I know today, even with all the challenges, I think, what if we had said no? And I was thinking about this this, this morning, actually, um, and I won't go into all the circumstances, but if we had said no when it came to international adoption, um, our son would never have met his wife that he married last mm-hmm. year. Um, that's That's... That's just the fact. Um, yeah. That's just one example. Um, you know, we would never have known that, but I just, I, I look back and I think, what if we had said no? And so my encouragement would be, don't let fear of uncertainty or whatever keep you from saying yes. I think we felt that a lot when we look back on Sarah's adoption, sort of our first, you know, getting our feet wet there. And we were so naive and went, and I know I've already said this, but that we did have this very, you know, what would fit neatly into our lives kind of version of international adoption. You know, this is the child, the kind of child that would fit neatly into our box. And, um, and the Lord 
very much put her in front of us. And as we read about her and talked to people that had met her, it became clear that, you know, she was very much outside of that box. And um, the very thought that we would have said no, you know, breaks my heart, Mm. but it was a wrestling, you know, I mean, with, holy cow, this is not what we thought we were doing. Um, but then, you know, she's a game changer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just don't be or be scared, but don't let that stop you um, from doing what God is asking you to do. I love it. Stacy, Shane, it is so good to talk to you. you I walk too. away. I walk away encouraged. Every single time, every single conversation. So thanks for, (laughs) thanks for coming on and and visiting with us. And, uh, and, and we just, you know, we pray that the Lord will continue to bless your family and guide your steps and, and that the, and that he'll receive much glory from, uh, from what you, you continue to live out. And so thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank Thank you. you. We appreciate Lifeline for sure. It's been a huge part of our, huge part of our life. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>